1: Welcome to the Greenbrook TMS fourth quarter and fiscal 2020 results conference column webcast. All lines are currently on mute to prevent any background noise. I would like to remind you that this conference call is being recorded today and is also being webcast on the company's website at www.greenbrooktms.com under the investor section events. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. Analysts and investors are reminded that any additional questions can be directed to the company at InvestorRelations at GreenbrookTMS.com. This call contains forward-looking statements, which reflect the current expectations or beliefs of the company based on currently available information. Forward-looking statements are subject to a number of risks and uncertainties that may cause the actual results of the company to differ materially from those discussed in the forward-looking statements. Factors that could cause actual results or events to differ materially from current expectations are disclosed under the heading risk factors in the company's annual information form dated March 30th, 2021, and in the company's MD&A for the period ended December 30th, 2020, which are available on Cedar, Edgar and on the company's website. Any forward-looking statement speaks only as of the date on which it is made, and the company disclaims any intent or obligation to update any forward-looking statement unless required by law. I would now like to turn the meeting over to Mr. Bill Leonard, President and Chief Executive Officer of Greenbrook TMS, and Edwin Cordell, Interim Chief Financial Officer. Go ahead, please, Mr. Leonard.
2: Thank you, Jason, and thank you to everyone for joining our conference call and webcast today. We are very pleased with our fiscal 2020 results, which demonstrate our ability to navigate the rate, challenging operating environment imposed by COVID-19. Overall, we were able to even grow our business while treating patients suffering from treatment-resistant depression and obsessive-compulsive disorder at unprecedented levels. Our entire team continued to work tirelessly to deliver the highest quality of care at all of our TMS centers while at the same time safeguarding the health and well-being of our patients, employees, and physician partners. With the access to TMS therapy now more essential than ever, we have successfully deployed a virtual intake platform and the corresponding increased usage of this platform by both patients and physicians contributed to this positive result. We managed to deliver strong year-over-year revenue growth of 21% despite having to take a significant provision against revenue in the fourth quarter. Patient procedure volumes and new patient starts continue to grow at record rates for both fiscal and Q4 2020. In fiscal 2020, new patient starts increased by 33% and TMS treatment volumes by 26% compared to fiscal year 2019. TMS treatment volumes increased by 6% in Q4 2020 while patient starts increased by 20%, indicating continued forward momentum. Our strong operational performance is, however, not fully reflected in our revenues, primarily as a result of the provisions relating to changes in our credentialing process as we move to credentialing on a statewide basis. Delays in obtaining the necessary credentialing created a delay in outstanding claims, which will require several months to clear as we move through 2021. We believe this delay to be short-term pain for significant long-term gains with our enhanced credentialing process. We believe the long-term gains will include the acceleration of the development process due to shorter credentialing timelines in both new and established regions. From a development perspective, we added 14 active TMS centers during fiscal 2020 with an additional nine TMS centers in development, bringing the total company network to 125 TMS centers. This represents an increase of 14% as compared to fiscal 2019, despite the pause in development in response to the initial onset of COVID-19. We are also particularly pleased with several other milestones for the company and in the industry. A key part of our strategy is to take advantage of our network of TMS centers and affiliated physicians as a service delivery platform, providing a community-based approach to mental health services. On November 10, 2020, we announced that, beginning in early 21, we will be implementing a pilot program that offers Spravato nasal esketamine spray at, t- at select TMS centers to treat adults with treatment-resistant depression. This marks our first venture into complementary product, and we are excited about its prospects. We are affiliated with excellent physicians and support staff and therefore have the ability to incorporate competitive or complementary products like Spravato in our centers. On December 31st, 2020, we secured a $30 million credit facility with Oxford Finance. This provided an initial 15 million term loan with an option of drawing up to an additional 15 million when achieving specific financial milestones. On March 15th, 2021, we announced that our common shares were approved for listing and trading in US dollars on the NASDAQ. Trading on the NASDAQ commenced at the start of trading on March 16th, 2021 under the symbol GBNH. Our common shares will continue trading on the TSX in Canadian dollar currency under the symbol GTMS. And now for a more detailed review of the company's financial and operating performance, I turn it over to
3: Ed Cordell. Thank you, Bill. As Bill mentioned, despite the impact of COVID-19, fiscal 2020 revenue increased by 21% to a record $43.1 million, up $7.4 million from fiscal 2019. With provisions against revenue, Q4 2020 revenue decreased by 21% to $9.9 million, down $2.6 million from Q4 2019. Absent the provisions against revenue, our average reimbursement rates remained stable, and we showed positive growth in both patient starts and treatment volumes in both fiscal 2020 and Q4 of 2020. Growth was primarily attributable to the successful deployment of a virtual intake platform and focused marketing efforts on the safety, and accessibility of our TMS centers during the COVID-19 pandemic. The continued development of our TMS center network, coupled with the Achieve TMS acquisition also contributed to growth. After adjusting for the provision against revenue, the average revenue per treatment decreased by 4% to $220 in physical 2020, as compared to physical 2019 and by 26% to $182 in Q4 2020, as compared to Q4 of 2019. Let's be clear, this is not a result of lower reimbursement by the insurance payers. Same region sales were stable for fiscal 2020, despite COVID-19, but negative 20% in Q4 2020, again, as a result of the increased provisions against revenue. COVID-19 has increased demand for mental health services, including TMS therapy, which we believe will also promote continued growth through 2021. Moving to regional operating income, the provision against revenue reduced our regional operating income to a loss of $600,000 during fiscal 2020, of 4.5 million in fiscal year 2019 and to a loss of 2.1 million as compared to operating income of two million dollars in Q4 2019 the inclusion of 14 newly active TMS centers and nine TMS centers in development which will take time to generate positive regional operating income also contributed to the loss Year-over-year year, aggregate corporate cost decreased by 7.5% to 15.1 million for fiscal 2020. Primarily a result of the cost containment measures implemented in response to COVID-19 and certain one-time costs that we incurred in fiscal corporate cost increased by only 11% on a normalized basis in fiscal 2020 and decreased by 13% in Q4 2020 illustrating the success of our cost mitigation strategies and the business scaling into its centralized business infrastructure this is further highlighted by the growth in revenue continuing to outpace the growth in corporate gna the overall loss for the period increased primarily a result of the increase in the earnout consideration with respect to the Achieve TMS acquisition. We are excited with the strong performance from the Achieve platform. From a balance sheet perspective, the accounts receivable balance remains stable despite the revenue growth. As of December, 2020, we had approximately 18.8 million in cash on hand. This includes short-term obligations with respect to the contingent consideration of the Achieve TMS acquisition, a portion of which has now been deferred. Moving on to our core operating metrics, as Bill mentioned earlier, we continue to show strong growth in all our key operating metrics for both fiscal and Q4 2020. As at the end of fiscal 2020, the active TMS centers increased by 14% to 116 from 102 a year ago. The total number of TMS centers grew by 5% year over year. We experienced a lower growth in this metric with a temporary pause in development in response to COVID-19. The year over year number of consultations performed increased 41% for fiscal 2020 and 45% for Q4 2020. We increased the number of TMS treatments performed by 33% to 195,992 for fiscal 2020 over fiscal year 2019 and by 6% to 54,408 for the Q4 2020 over Q4 2019. Patient starts for fiscal 2020 increased by 33% to 5,445 compared to fiscal 2019, and by 20% to 1,428 for Q4 2020 as compared to Q4 2019. The strong upward trend and all leading indicators speaks to our sound business fundamentals and positions us well for future growth as operating conditions normalize and the delay in claim collections clear. Back to you, Bill. Thank you, Ed. As you heard from Ed, we
2: produce strong growth during what has been a challenging period for our entire industry, while treating patients suffering from treatment-resistant depression and OCD at unprecedented levels. We are particularly proud of our ability to reach new patients during this difficult time, and I am confident that our business will emerge stronger as market conditions will normalize through 2021. The need for mental health support is at an all-time high and our development pipeline is prime for expansion. We now have treated over 15,000 patients with over 560,000 treatments performed, a significant positive impact on the lives of so many patients suffering from treatment-resistant depression and OCD. We look forward to keeping you updated on the progress of the company throughout 2021. Thank you for your time today, and with that, Operator, we will now take questions.
1: Certainly. At this time, as a reminder, if you would like to ask a question, please press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. We will pause for just a moment to compile the Q&A roster. Your first question comes from the line of David Newman from Desjardins. Your line is open.
4: Morning, Bill Ed. How you doing? Hey, David. Great. Great. Uh, just uh, First of all, COVID's been a bit of a double-edged sword um, overall, I- impeding operations, but obviously, I know, leading to good activity levels on, on mental health. I guess my question would be, in the longer term, do you, do you sense that there's a uh, uh, the stigma associated with it might be um, going away to a certain degree? And what do you think the secular longer-term trends might be, you know, post-COVID, and hopefully we all get vaccinated by the end of the year. But um, what's your longer-term view just on on the space?
2: Great question, David. Um, You know, as we all know, the U.S. population and all around the world experienced a significant COVID surge at the end of the year and into Q1. Um, And we were encouraged by kind of the new patient start figures and the treatment volumes, uh, especially as the warmer weather surfaced. With that said, I think what's also helping the positive momentum is really the rollout of the vaccination plan, as the U.S. has done a, a fairly good job of kind of getting that vaccination plan out, and I think that's caused patients to begin to get a, go back to their normal life. With that said, um, as we talked about on previous calls, um, from the first surge that started in March of last year, um, the stats were roughly about 30-plus percent of those patients there was an increase in mental health indications, specifically in the area of depression and anxiety. Obviously, that number was changed after the second surge, which was more infectious and really more deadly. Now that number's over 40%. When you look at that, those patients who are suffering from depression will go through that typical treatment cycle. First, they will look at talk therapy and eventually go into meds. As we know from the past, 50 plus percent of those patients will struggle with meds in terms of a positive response. We expect that to be a driver in terms of pipelines for other treatment modalities such as TMS. I'd expect to see that kind of wave of patients begin to kind of surface at our centers somewhere in the, you know Q3, Q4, later half of the year and beyond. So what was already an underserved marketplace just became a bigger population for people suffering from depression.
4: Yeah, and it's showing up in your leading indicators, obviously, and, and maybe the KPIs behind the KPIs. And uh, switching gears over to Spravato, I mean, I think you had five centers where you were, you were trialing it. You know, any initial takeaways or, or learnings from from the roll and what the, ro- the rollout plan might be on Spravato.
2: Yeah, we're, I mean, I'll give you a little bit of that information now, but uh, obviously that took place in January. So in our next call, which I think is roughly about 40 days from now, we'll, we'll have much more detail. But let, let's step back and talk about the Spravato pilot. Um, five centers, as you said, commenced on January 20th, 21. We're roughly 10 weeks into it. Um, what were we hoping to learn from that pilot? Uh, one was the opportunity to access the value of making this treatment option more available at Greenbrook centers. We really wanted to understand uh, if we can put this treatment in play with our current centers and our current staff and doctor and patient care. You know, really understand the overall patient experience, especially during that patient in that waiting period, observation period of a couple hours. Begin to validate payer response and reimbursement Um, what the network referral market kind of looked like for us, and really understand that patient pipeline. So general comments at this point, um, I'm really pleased uh, and excited about uh, the opportunity to kind of roll this out at more centers at Greenbrook. Um, What we do know is Bravado can help patients who have not probably had a great response with TMS um, or was not adequately effective uh, with the treatment of TMS. It also suggests that the population has found great benefits in, you know, trying Spravata. There is a crossover between TMS and Spravata cases in both directions, which is a positive. It allows you to capture more revenue from that patient and also build a greater relationship with our alumni. So from a rollout standpoint, um, you know, we'll finalize that over the next week or so. Three months old, uh, but, I, but I imagine that would be a... We'll accelerate our rollout here um, as we head to the back half of the year.
4: And any, any, any initial comments? I know it's early, early days. I'm sure it's probably more of the next, next report. But um, just in terms of the economics of it and, you know, how you can do sg deleveraging and um, things like that and, and greater absorption of your fixed costs and your centers and, time, you know, times of day and any other complementary products that could actually, you know, really soak up capacity.
5: Yeah.
2: yeah, from that standpoint, if you look at Spravato, um, when you have a doctor on present of, at the center and you have your staff in place, um, you're utilizing uh, what I would say under capacity and time available to you. So you can maximize your kind of capacity by, multi, by having two to three patients in play while the physician's there. And that's really what we wanna to get to. Those patients are not taking up individual rooms. So you do have the ability to kind of treat TMS patients along with Spravato, uh, especially during the observation period
1: with the the physician.
4: Excellent. Thanks, gentlemen. I'll jump back in the queue. Thank you. Thanks, David.
1: Your next question comes from the line of Noel Atkinson from Claris. Your line is open. Uh,
6: Good morning, guys, and thanks for taking your questions. Um, First off, just on the, the accounts receivable charge in Q4, Uh, You you mentioned that there'd be some delays in claim uh, receipts in the first half of this year as well. Do you mean that, you know, you expect your net pricing to now return back to normal for Q1, but you'll just have longer AR, or do you expect to have some sort of lingering periodic impairment charges as well?
3: Yes, yeah, so uh, it, it will take, uh, as we mentioned in the call, a couple months, a few months going into 2021 to to clear some of those collections. Uh, so you know we expect it to to uh, return, but but it'll take us a, a, a few months to get through that. okay
2: and And Noel, just adding to that, um, that that provision can get reversed if when we recover the income. So, uh, obviously, that's what we expect to happen. We, that's why there was not a write-off, because we have the ability to collect on that provision.
6: Okay, so this is different than the, when you guys did the shift over to the new billing system a year ago, and basically those claims were just lost in, the, lost in the system.
3: That's correct. This is completely different. Correct. These claims are still still being submitted to the payers and still being worked.
6: Right. So should, um, you know, it's the end of Q1 today. Do you, do you expect to see a meaningful improvement in net pricing in Q1 versus Q4? You
2: know, time will tell. I mean, obviously we can't, we do, we can't collect on those revenues. Uh, it comes down to, I can't give a number on what the percentage of that is. Uh, during the aging process, there's a better uh, opportunity to collect on those that are within the first 12 months and then 12 to 15 Um so we expect what we expect throughout the year is that each quarter it would be get better and return to normalcy. Okay.
7: And, and you, I, you know, our metrics,
2: sure. yeah, our metrics, against that are pro- our metrics against that are showing those signs as well as we're getting better in this area uh, of the collections.
6: Okay. And, and have you done this, at, like, this recredentialing process? You've initiated this everywhere in the U.S. or just in selected states where you wanted to make this change? And do you expect it to have – this
2: done again in the future in other states? Yeah, so the so the short answer is, as we go forward with new regions, if we were to open up in a new state, this is the way we would begin that credentialing process out of the gate. In this particular area, we decided it was important to have a statewide credentialing process versus credentialing physicians at individual Greenbrook centers. The recredentialing to a statewide TIN, taxpayer identification number, really caused the uh, the, the hold claims uh, the hold claims until the conversion was completed, which likely took longer than expected because of the transition. It's a pretty onerous process, but also the impact of uh, COVID on the payers. So going forward, we had to go back and change our states that originated in a different fashion. But going forward, all of our states will be set up as a one statewide 10. And to me, there's benefit in that in the sense of Ability to expand quicker, ability to get up and running quicker from a credentialing standpoint, what allows us to capture revenues, and the potential to negotiate with insurance payers for better rates because you're one TIN number. So long-term, it's going to be beneficial to us. Short-term, we're feeling a little pain.
6: Right. Okay. Uh, And then uh, in Q4, it also appears that you, uh, the Green Book raised, uh, sorry, ramped up your Regional marketing spending, a fair amount. Is, was that a one-off related to specific initiatives, or are you expecting to have a sort of a sustained increase in in regional marketing going forward?
2: Yeah, I mean, for us, our standpoint is we're going to continue to kind of aggressively pursue patients acquisition. There is an all-time high in depression, uh, who especially for those who have failed. We, we know it's important to get our reputation, our service treatment opportunity out there for patients. So I would say to you, one was the increase in marketing was because we have more centers, especially having to achieve on in with us this year. And the second opportunity is it's showing in numbers. Where we're, our, our, our key metrics and our trends are, are, are going upwards. So we're gonna aggressively pursue that opportunity.
6: Okay, uh, and then just finally for me here, uh, you know, Brainsway was talking quite a lot about their hopefulness of achieving first, you know, reimbursement agreements with payers on OCD treatments later by later this year. Now, can you give us some insight on your your OCD treatment activity and where you see the the reimbursement process is?
2: Well, I'm I'm, I'm to start. I'm the biggest fan of Brainsway getting uh, payer coverage on that uh, on that indication for OCD. as it's a it's a challenge for patients suffering from this. Um, there is not a national statewide kind of payer codes attached to OCD. I will say that Greenbrook has uh, done a great job, our team, our physicians, our staff, in kind of securing one-off reimbursements on behalf of the patients on individual cases. It's not a way to significantly ramp up your business, but we are adding to the, our patient population with, those, uh, with the ability to get coverage for the OCD patients. Um, like you, I've heard the same story from Brain, uh, from uh, Brainsway. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing something really positive about them, and uh, hopefully, it comes through this year.
6: Okay, all right. Thanks for taking my questions. Appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Noel. Your next question comes from the line of David Martin from Bloom Burton. Your line is open. Good
7: morning, Bill and Ed. Um, my first question is a follow up to Noel's uh, first question. Um, You said that um, this new credentialing will um, be in place when you go into new regions going forward, but what about all your existing regions now? Are are they all converted over to this new way and uh, it's done for those regions, or are there still some existing regions that you have to uh, go through this exercise?
2: Yeah, good question. Good follow-up, David. So as I said, um those that com- that has been completed, the credentialing process. There's a few strayers in terms of small payer accounts, but the key payer information and that process has been completed.
7: Okay. Um Second question: So, what proportion of the treatments for which uh, the reimbursement was delayed due to the credentialing change do you expect you will be able to eventually collect on?
2: I can't give a number on that. It's, it's all based on kind of that aging process. Uh, what I will tell you is, we've received reimbursements as past as two years past on prior patients. Uh, you know, hopefully over the next three to six months, we'll have better insight in that, Um, but I I can't give a specific target. But we do expect to collect on those as much as possible, hence the provision versus a write-off. Okay.
7: Um, And then my last question is, um, uh, Ed mentioned 4Q, $182 per treatment. I, I missed it. Was that... Including the adjustment, uh, including the provision, or was that if you excluded
2: the provision? No,
3: yeah. that, that was in, including the provision in Q4. Yeah. If, 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 you, if our I,
2: David, If our if our if the write-off if the provision did not take flat place, then the treatment
5: revenue would have been. St-
1: Okay, you broke up there a bit, but I think you said if the provision hadn't
7: taken place, the uh, uh, revenue per treatment would have been flat? That's correct. Okay, thanks. I'll get back in queue.
2: Thank you. Thank
1: you. Your next question comes from the line of Justin Keywood from Stefo. Your line is open.
5: Good morning, and thanks for taking my call. I had some questions just on the broader uh, expansion efforts. Uh, the press release really said there's 116 active TMS centers, and I believe there's nine in development. Uh, so one question would be, you know, when do you anticipate those nine centers in development uh, to become active? And also, uh, do you have a target for number of uh, clinics uh, in 2021 that you're trying to achieve?
2: Yeah, as we said before, we expect to have uh, close to 140 centers by uh, the end of Q2 in terms of in development and get as many of those active as possible. We've done a great job of ramping up this year. Um, And obviously, uh, we're still very active in the development and kind of acquisition kind of conversations.
5: Okay. And I know there's been a lot of development activity recently. How would you characterize the proportion of your clinics that are you know, let's say at a mature phase uh, versus still ramping up and then at a very early stage?
2: Sure. Um, I think uh, the one thing COVID did do to the ramp up is it it slowed that down a little bit in kind of the newer regions, which included, you know, roughly eight to 10 regions back in 2018 and 19. Uh, With that said, uh, the greatest thing about our, our model right now is the fact that it's a platform that can expand on and we still only have roughly 43 centers that are over two years of age. So, significant ramp up uh, we expect from those newer regions and newer centers that we established in
5: 2018 and 19. Okay, and then I, I just had a follow-up question on this bravado. Um, if I heard correctly, is there reimbursement in place already that, that you're seeing, or does that still need to be a accomplished?
1: Yeah,
2: that's a great question, and that was one of the key learnings and findings in our pilot Uh, Fortunately for us, of the five centers that we commenced with in the pilot, we did uh, get reimbursement model attached to that particular patient for Spravato. Spravato is not a national kind of reimbursed plan, but we were successful in negotiating that uh, uh, reimbursement on behalf of those patients.
5: And as you look to roll out uh, or potentially roll out Spravato to additional uh, clinics? Would that just be in the regions that you're you're already seeing the the reimbursement, or or how would that play out? Or a bit too early to tell.
2: Uh, Two fold, Justin. One is we may add additional density in those regions that are already have payer establishments relationships, and we would look to you know obviously work to get payer reimbursement in newer regions. The 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 thing that's unique and, and different about Spravato versus TMS. The fact that that patient's only coming to your center, you know, twice a month for the first month and then once a month, once a week for the next month. So you you have much more or less time with that particular patient. So it's important for us to make sure we centralize those locations. Uh, you don't need this at every single center, but you want to make it convenient for patients. Uh, but unlike uh, TMS, you don't need a center with Spravato every 20 minutes down the road.
5: Got it. And that's helpful. Thank you for taking my questions.
2: Thanks, Justin. Thank
1: you. Your next question comes from the line of Tanya Gonzalez from Canaccord Genuity. Your line is open.
0: Good morning, guys. Uh, Firstly, just to follow up on one of Justin's questions, sorry, I missed it there. I think you said that you were targeting being at, was it 140 centers by the end of Q2?
2: 140 centers by the end of Q2, obviously that's the target. We are actively working towards that. And then throughout the year, getting as many up to that 140 active centers that's producing revenues, um, which is really the focus of the company. We did pause, as you know, last year development due to COVID, although we did show some growth in that area. Um, Now we expect to kind of start ramping up centers to start treating patients.
0: Got it. And are you seeing any benefit in terms of lease prices caused by the pandemic?
2: I wouldn't say we are. I mean, from our standpoint, because we were an essential service, um, we were open the whole time. Um, what we what I will tell you is we have the ability to acquire more at least more space uh, much more readily available to us today than versus prior to the pandemic, and we are being aggressive with our negotiations including working on, you know, less years uh, in terms, in in those leases. Perfect. Okay.
0: Um, Could you provide any more color on conversion rates? of how many consults are turning into new patients. Seems to be still ticking down quarter over quarter. Is that just uh, a result uh, of your, your reach is broader and it takes longer because these are mostly virtually um, consulted patients.
2: Yeah, you have, a, you have a great memory. That's exactly what we said on the last call. Um, our chief marketing officer, E.P. Smith, has done a great job of kind of capturing a wider range of patients that we're putting into the patient portal. We're still closing roughly for every two consults, one patient. Um, so we're doing a great job with that. That mix is different between what comes from the referring network versus what comes from DTC. But for us right now, especially with the amount of increase in mental health indications like depression and OCD, we're marketing for both and we're capturing a wider range. Some are not candidates, but it's important to keep them in the pipeline as they will, you know, eventually potentially fail drug therapy. So no concerns over there because uh, the key metrics are going up and the leading indicators of new patients is going up.
0: Excellent. Thank you for that. Um, and then just, again, on on the Spravado pilot, are you able to let us know, and apologies if I missed this, what region the five centers are in?
2: Sure. Um, we have one located in uh, the Washington, D.C. area. Well, actually two. We have Tyson's Corner and Rockville. We have one in St. Louis, um, one in uh, North Carol- North Carolina. Um, I think that was, I think Richmond. So five, and we'll we'll expand that out to a few other regions here shortly and even consider adding more uh, in current regions. I, I like what I'm seeing just in terms of that patient need and uh, the care and uh, opportunity for the company.
0: Great. And, and I know it's still early days. I imagine you'll provide more color on this on the next call, but, but thus far, the patients that you're seeing are these mostly brand new patients that you've never worked with before or is a higher proportion than patients that you've already treated with TMS uh, where the TMS didn't work?
2: Definitely we'll provide more color in the future, but we'll give you a few nuggets now. Um, What I would tell you about that group of patients. and, And so key to remember that this is a pilot. So we did not roll this out from a DTC perspective. We have, we have not rolled this out through our, you know, our direct sales team that's uh, really responsible for 50% of our business. Um, but the patient responses come to us from some of our referrals and even internally from our physician uh, practices. With that said, I would tell you that a portion of those patients have come to us that have had TMS and, you know, I would say had an inadequate response. Um, some have come to us through coming in for Spravato and moving over to TMS. Some have have come in from TMS and moved directly to Spravato, Um, and, um, you know, I I believe that once we kind of unleash kind of our sales team on it and start to do direct to consumer marketing on it, that pipeline will grow. But uh, there's been a great response in terms of interest in Spravato, uh, and our team has done a great job really deciding what is the best treatment for that patient, whether it be TMS or Spravato
0: okay uh, thanks for that and then sorry to harp on this one last question just on the provision so in the event you are actually able to collect some of the some of these claims and let's say they end up coming in in the back half of the year is it safe to say we could see um just as we saw a decline in that average revenue per tms treatment line today we could see it kind of artificially inflated in the back half of the year
3: Yes, that that could happen. Uh, if we collect on a on a claim that we took a provision against, then yes, it goes into revenue. So it, it could artificially tick it up.
0: Perfect. All right. That's all for me. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Thanks, Ty. Thank you.
1: Your next question comes from the line of David Martin. From Bloom your line is open.
7: Hi, I wanted to circle back to the Spravato uh, program again. I I think you said earlier that the patients aren't taking up individual rooms. Does that mean that you're grouping them together in a single room? I I assume they're not in the waiting room uh, area, the lobby. Um, And also, can you run those patients at a different time of the day than you do the TMS patients so they don't really uh, use your capacity?
2: Yes, you are correct we each individual patient with sprobato does not go into an individual room. We have a observation room that you know houses up to three patients um, and we do have the ability to treat those patients uh, during uh, slower times uh, with uh, than t m s because remember David, as we talked about before, uh, our patients for t m s because they're active and light and most are working would like to come between kind of that seven thirty ten time frame, lunch time, and then after work so Really, for us, we do look to highlight those Spravato patients at certain times of day. But you can do both. So we can maximize the utilization of that center with both treatments in play.
7: Okay. And then two other quick questions. How many patients are in the Spravato program or have been in it so far? And what are the economics? What, what is the range of reimbursement that you're seeing on this one-off basis?
2: Sure. I'll provide more color on that in the next call. Um, you got to remember that these patients are just kind of in it, and we're not even, we haven't even gotten back some revenue yet from the reimbursement from the, the payers. So it's a little too early for that, um, and it was a limited roll-up in terms of patients, uh, but we, we expect to have enough patients in there to make a, uh, a solid decision on our next steps in terms of expansion. Okay. Okay. Thank you.
1: Once again, if you would like to ask a question, please press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. Your next question comes from the line of David Newman from DeJardin. Your line is open.
4: Hi guys, just a, a quick follow-up. Um, I noticed on the chief at TMS you had 4.4 uh, 4 million that was deferred uh, for an additional 300K. Um, when was it deferred to? And I guess the question would be, is it just to kind of get through COVID or with the cash on your balance sheet taken together with the deferral, that um, you've just got more dry powder in terms of organic or inorganic growth?
3: Right. It's deferred until the uh, end of uh, June, and, yes, it it just, you know, that, that deferral of the cash just gives us more dry powder, just keeps us a little flusher.
4: Okay, and that's to get to the 140 by mid-year kind of open and, and then active by the end of the year and maybe if there's opportunities. What's the landscape look like right now on, on the M&A front?
2: As we always talk about, David, um, I, I think our reputation and our uh, footprint across the country has uh, inspired physicians to reach out to us, both as individuals and, you know, regional players. We are really active in terms of those dialogue um, and you know obviously, I can't share with you where we are in the acquisition process, but mm-hmm. it is a core kind of uh pillar of growth for us uh and we expect to kind of continue to work that kind of work that position to both organically grow and grow through m and a
4: got it and just a silly question, but if you had to kind of frame it you know on a heat monitor or heat heat, heat in terms of the you know one to ten would you say the environment has now heated up on that front where it might have been a little cooler last year how 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 is this sort of how would you look at the environment right now?
2: Yeah, I would not need a jacket. It's heating up
4: okay very <laughs> good thanks guys. appreciate it.
1: There are no further questions at this time. I turn the call back to management for closing remarks.
2: Thank you very much, Jason, and I appreciate everyone's uh, support on the call today. Um, Obviously, we're really excited about uh, our accomplishments this this year, and more importantly, our platform to grow as we go into 2021 and beyond. So look forward to updating you in the future, uh, and thank you so much.
1: That concludes today's conference call. You may now disconnect. Thank you, everybody, for joining.